Abre de mim, meu Hello, So, chapter 12. I look. So, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, verse 1. You know, I don't think John puts, he doesn't put anything in here by accident, right? And honestly, I don't understand everything he's putting in here. And I'm kind of, you know, I'd like to know everything, but I'm glad I don't because I can, I'll come back later to this and see something different. Or I'll see something different somewhere else in the scripture, and then it'll bring me back to this, and I'll see this different. In fact, Francois, you know, he translates another book of the Bible. Then he has to go change other things because he sees other things differently. So anyway, he says six days. And what does six days mean? Well, it means the, the, the sign of a man. It also means, to me, I was thinking about, wow, creation was in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested, right? And it says six days before the Passover, which is the rescuing of the of the chosen people, which is symbolic of what? The rescuing of all humanity. Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, the house of affliction, where Lazarus, God helps, whom he has raised from the dead, lived. Now think about that. We're actually living in a place of affliction, raised from the dead by Christ. Aren't we? And he has rescued us. And we and remember the Passover, the Passover, and then 50 days later, the Pentecost is the last day. That's the day of rest. We are now, it's by promise. God doesn't give it by earning, He gives it by we receive it. It's all a promise. He don't want us to earn it. We do things out of the pure joy of the relationship, but he has given it all by virtue of promise. That's the promise, and that's rest. On the seventh day, he rested. He's about ready to rest. Six days, he's going to his own death. He's going to die humanity's death here, right? He's going to die for us as us. And then, I, of course, I always quote the same scriptures, but the beautiful scripture in Hebrews 1.3 says, when he had, past tense, accomplished the riddance of sin and guilt, accomplished it, he sat down. He did what? Rested. It's the seventh day. So he's six days from the start of the rest. There they prepared supper for him. Lazarus joined him at the table while Martha served them. Now, I think, which is interesting, here is the Lazarus raised from the dead. Who is he supping with now? He's supping with the Lord. I mean, you know, Okay, Martha's servant. Don't you think Martha was there too and Mary? Maybe she was serving him, but they were also at the table. So here he is, the significance of the raised man, raised from the dead. And what's he doing now? He's sitting at the table with the Father, Son, Spirit, just like you and I are. In the meantime, Mary took a pound of very expensive picnard oil and massaged Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. The entire house was filled with the fragrance. It reminds me of filled with the glory of the Lord, right? So she, she takes perfume that's used to prepare for burial. It says that later. And she washes his feet. Now think about this. She, it's, other version says she anoints his feet. She massages. She rubs that oil in. And the word for anointing means to be rubbed in, to be smeared in. He's preparing. It's a symbolism of the death he's going to die. He's preparing the body, right? One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot. Now I'm going to. I'll get to this, who portrayed him, because remember, John is looking back at this account, was shocked at this and said, he was shocked. Judas is looking at this situation. Wow, he is shocked because 
Is it a year's? Well, he says right here, why this waste? I mean, explanation point. Why this waste? The perfume could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor in the U.S. I don't know, remember the poverty level, but it used to be 18000 a year. Imagine having a perfume, a bottle of perfume worth $18,000 a year. I mean, it's a lot of money. So he's looking, whoa, what is she wasting all this for? Sounds like some politicians. <laughs> and what did we do? He could care less about the poor, John says. He was a thief. And while he was entrusting, entrusted with the money bag, he would help himself to it. In other words, he's just like some people. Like I, I mean, I don't want to diss the politicians, but you know, you use something that's politically really looks good. Well, what about the poor? But you're really doing it for yourself so you can rip off, you know, you can get the money, hopefully, then you could pilfer off it. Now think about this too. Jesus entrusts, maybe he didn't entrust, but here's the, here's the guy that's the thief among the 12, and he's controlling the money. None of us would ever do that. I mean, it didn't bother Jesus because he know he's the source of all things. All things are provided. He's the owner and the inheritor of everything. I'm not worried about the money bags, and we shouldn't be either, by the way. All right. Jesus said, do not hinder her. She has preserved this preparation for what? My burial. This is all symbolic. He's telling me, he's preparing. They're not understanding. They're like, oh, burial? What? Burial? I mean, John is looking backwards now and writing this account. He even says that later. We didn't recognize it. We didn't know what was going on, but now we figured it out. You always have the poor to minister to but with, with you, but you will not always have me with you. Now, I love this. A large crowd of Jews heard that Jesus was in Bethany and went there not only to see Jesus, but Lazarus who is raised from the dead. Now think about, well, so the chief priest had determined to kill Lazarus as well. Now let's bring this to, I mean, this is symbolism. Here's the man raised from the dead. This is the symbolism of all mankind being raised from the dead that is so striking, such a, remember the light of the world that people are coming, wow, Jesus, yeah, but let's check this, let's check this out. Let's see this person. You know, when I first came to Christ, man, I started a glowing. I mean, I probably scared a bunch of people, but some people came out and go, what in the heck happened to that guy? I mean, a transfiguration happened. And let's give Paul Harvey's the rest of the story from the prodigal, according to the book of Galatians. So the prodigal son comes back. The father welcomes him. He has a party. And the older brother's mad about it. Next day, the older brother goes and talks to the younger brother and says, well, you know, to live around here you got to plow the fields and you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this otherwise your father's not going to be pleased with you that's exactly what happens to us we get blaze on fire and then we go to some place who gives us all the rules of what it means to be a good christian and, and it takes our fire away when the, that's what means the salt becomes tasteless but when we understand the grace, Galatians 3, how did you get the Holy Spirit? Was, was it the works of the law or by believing with faith? Just receiving and letting God just pour into you and a blaze happens. And you've been raised from the dead and people can see it and they want to see what happened to you. Just like Lazarus, they came out to see the man that was raised from the dead, who is now a light to the Jews. Jesus is the light of the world. Now he's got another guy named Lazarus. 
So the chief priests were going to do what? Kill him. How does it, how do, how do we get killed today? We get killed by the law. That's how, by the duty. That's what takes our life away. It takes our fire away. When people always say, not always, but I've heard so many times in church, oh, you're always going to lose that first fire that you have. Yeah, you do because you start trying to work the program instead of just receive and enjoy it. And you lose that first fire. And I always say, Paul never lost that fire. He went to one town, got his butt kicked. Went to the next town. He got thrown in jail. Went to the next town, got stoned. Went to the next town, got flogged. He sure didn't lose the joy of his salvation. Because he knew the truth of the finished work of the cross. That it didn't depend on him. That it depended on the cross. That's the way he said, I know nothing but the cross. But what happened? Anyway, get back to this. What a rabbit trail, eh? That's Canadian for all you people anywhere else. Hey, they knew that because of him, many were leaving their faith to, to join Jesus. Don't like that. The following day, many people were flocking to the feast. Why? They're flocking to the feast. Man, just coming in groves. Why? Because they learned that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They gathered palm branches and went to meet him while continually shouting, Hosanna. We always hear Hosanna. His, which means his act of rescuing us out of what slavery is now realized and celebrated. It's prophetic. They don't even know what they're saying. They think he's like Judas uh, uh, Maccabees coming to like throw the Romans out, like, like he threw the Syrians out and cleansed the temple, and they become the glorious nation again. But they are speaking the truth but not discerning the truth. Well spoken of is the king of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. This is all the truth. They're quoting the scripture, but I don't think they understand it just like the disciples didn't understand it. The this, comes, this is connected with the Feast of Tabernacles where they came out of Egypt and they lived in dwelled in tents and they commemorate that, being set free. His act of rescuing us and is out of slavery is now realized and celebrated. He rescued us. We now recognize and celebrate him that's that's what the words mean these words were sung by jews on the feast of tabernacles when carrying green branches in the hands and celebrating the deliverance from slavery also prophetic reverence to joshua and you guys can read that yourselves because jesus name and joshua's name are very similar yeshua okay but you know it's interesting because Remember, Caiaphas, well, I'll get to that in a little bit. So in other words, this is a prophetic thing. They're speaking a prophetic thing to Jesus, but I don't think they, they don't understand what they're speaking. This is a scripture being realized. And John and them probably didn't understand it either until later on when the spirit came and they look back and they go, whoa, look at this stuff that happened. You know, we see it afterwards. They were going through it, not, not understanding, always seeing things by the flesh, by the things they could see, by the Old Testament teaching, not seeing the prophetic significance of it all. And here the prophetic significance is coming out right there. And the Jewish people are flocking and quoting the scriptures, quoting a celebration that celebrates who? Jesus, Yeshua, the rescuer. Here he comes. But they think he's coming for a different reason. But he's coming to save all mankind. Having found a Young colt, Jesus sat on it and fulfilled and fulfilled that which was written prophetically about him in scripture. Fear not, daughter of Sion, rejoice exceedingly. That's a lot of rejoicing. Pay attention 
pay attention. You say, that does pay attention. Your king is coming, humbly riding on a donkey, a mere colt, or a colt of a donkey, which has come from Zechariah 9.9. And listen to what John says. The disciples did not immediately recognize the profound significance of this moment. They didn't recognize it. It was only after he was glorified that the full impact of that which is written of him, and they did not, and, and what they did to him dawned on them. Now, I just like this scripture. Well, I think I'll just, I'll go, let's go a little farther. Now, see, see how the prophecies are being fulfilled. Now, John is looking back probably 60 years later or something. He's 90. And he's writing this account. He's saying, look at this stuff. He's not, he, again, like Revelation. He's putting in all these stories as symbolism. He's not putting the full account of everything Jesus did. He even says that. You go to other accounts, man, there's only a few healing miracles in here. There's only a couple. Blind man seeing, the lame walking, the dead raised. Tell John, are you the one that's supposed to come? Saying that the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the blind see, lame walk, and the or have the gospel of good news preached to them. Yes, I am the one. But notice how Jesus never says, yeah, I meant. He always has a, a little bit of a, he says it in a different way all the time. 17, the people who witnessed the raising of Lazarus from the dead gave testimony to what they had encountered. Wow. Never discount the power of a testimony. Wow. This was also part of the reason why so many people came out to meet him since they too heard about the miracle. Man was raised from the dead. You know, and prophetically, we've been raised from the dead. People should come out to see what we look like. What happened to those guys? They've been raised from the dead. And we have. We've been co-raised with Christ. We're not going to be. We are. We might walk out of this earth suit. I think I, I was think of it like an egg someday it's going to crack and the real us is going to come out right but we are we are we've been raised from the dead and we we're shining bright as the sun john 17 the transfiguration we're being transfigured into his image lines we're transfigured into something different and that light of the glory of god is shining out of you right now I guarantee as you walk around this week people are going to recognize it. I know I just know it. they're going to what is different about john and kathleen my lord they just glow they're not even pregnant i'm teasing i don't know all the world but everybody always says a pregnant woman glows around here but maybe in, oh, maybe in australia and scotland they don't i don't know anyhow so i'm just teasing the pharisees were perplexed about this and said look we are gaining no ground against him the entire world is coming after him which makes me think about Gamaliel when the remember the disciples and Acts. You know, I, mean, I wasn't even thinking about this, but in Acts, remember they were doing miracles and they were blazing and and they go and and they were testifying to the Pharisees and they go they recognized them that they were uneducated men and they had been with Jesus and they were blown away at the knowledge that they had, just like they're blown away at Jesus. How did this man Jesus get such knowledge when he's never been to one of our schools? And what did Gamaliel say? He's, and he's the top teacher, very respected. He said, he said leave him alone, because if it's, if it's God, it'll burn out. If it's not God, you'll be finding 
You'll be finding that you're fighting against God. And they were. There were also a number of Greeks who came to worship at the feast because of the rumors they had heard. They approached Philip. Remember Philip? He told Nathaniel, we have found the one, the Messiah. We have found him. Remember at the beginning of the book? That's the Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and asked him, sir, we would be delighted to see Jesus. Is there perhaps any chance that you can introduce us to him? Now, isn't Jesus' response always so odd in a sense when you just read it? I mean, Nicodemus, you know, hey, we know you're from God because you did all these miracles and signs and wonders and no one could do them unless you're from God. Well, unless you're born again, you can't see the, you can't see the kingdom of God. It's like, huh? Huh? What a response is that? But of course, it's an appropriate response. It's just one you're not looking for because he's coming out of the kingdom of God. He's coming out of the higher way of thinking, the higher thoughts of Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he and actually, as I was talking before, we got on this on this video visit. That's what God wants us now is to start putting on the mind of Christ and start thinking like God. Using the scripture, not to get into like, knowledge gymnastics but using it to reveal christ where in us in that relationship so we walk the same way he did that's the point that's the point to be this light and the salt jesus immediately understood look at, this, look at this they don't understand they're doing all the people the disciples and the jews are doing all kinds of things that are prophetic but not understanding the prophetic when these guys came Philip and Andrew told Jesus, hey, these Greeks want to meet you. Jesus immediately understanding the prophetic significance of the moment. He could have said, hey, come over. I'll give him an autograph. Or we'll do a couple selfies. He doesn't. He says he immediately understands the prophetic significance of this moment, this very moment in time. He knew that he, the Messiah, was whom all the nations were longing for and answered, the hour is here for the Son of Man to be glorified. He understands the perfect. So in other words, he's tuned in. He's tuned into the spirit of the Father, which is, and just so you, you know, I always like to bring this to, to the us a little bit. We have the same relationship, the exact same relationship. You, got the, you have the exact same mind of Christ. You they don't have a different mind. You have the same one. You have the same flesh. You have the same spirit, by the way. Spirit of Christ. Now, I just want to read Caiaphas' prophecy in chapter 11 again, because it's so good. I mean, he prophesied the very truth, even though he's so, they want to kill Jesus, they're so mad at him. He prophesies the truth, but doesn't understand it. Just like, just like the Jews throwing palm branches in Hosanna. He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They, that's the truth, but they don't understand what kind of truth that is. So it says here, we just read it like a, Last week, but it says, verse 49, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, declared, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand or reason out that it is expedient and better for your welfare that one man should die on behalf of people than the whole nation should perish. Of course, they think, well, we need to kill him because he's ruined our country. But that's not, but this is totally true. How did he not say this to us? Sorry, now he did not say this. I get so excited, my tongue starts. Blah, 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 blah. I think I start speaking in tongues. I speak so fast. Now he did not say this simply of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was to die for the nations. 
Isn't that awesome? Here's a guy that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, doesn't believe he's sent from God, but yet the Holy Spirit's there prophesying through him. And not only for the, for the nation, but for also for the purpose of uniting into one people of God, all who have been scattered over far and wide. There's the whole world. In other words, when the, the Greeks come, it says here, he is the what? The desires of the nation. He understands. I mean, that's even the part of this prophecy. Is this. Here they come. The hour has come. The hour is here. The Son of Man is to be glorified. Haggai 2.7. He is the desire of the nations. Mm-hmm. He is the desire of every human being. They just don't know it. And unfortunately, we get so religious, we turn people off. We start to smell of religion. Pew. But when we get free of that, we start loving people. And we start understanding that, you know, hey, most of the people that have all kinds of problems can't even help it. I was one of those people. I couldn't help my problems until Jesus came on, changed my life. And all of a sudden, geez, some of those habits I had that I, that I even wanted, I knew were wrong. And I tried to change. They started changing without my help, by the way. Just got excited about Jesus. And as soon as I got into, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to do, read my Bible an hour a day. And I need to be at church 50 times a week and all that other nonsense. It just stopped, and you're sitting there going, "What happened?" Especially if you're like me, you're totally ignorant. I mean, I didn't know any Bible. I mean, I, I come out of the Catholic Roman Catholic background. We did not read our Bibles. You know, we did a, went through church all the time, but we had no clue, right? Anyway, now listen to how Jesus again. I just want to flip over here real quick. To oh, I get so excited that my tongue just starts to. Blah, 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 blah. I just love, I just want to quote this scripture again from Paul, one, uh, Romans 1.20. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and his attributes, God's invisible nature and attributes, that is, he's, that is his eternal power and divinity. His eternal power, this is amplified, his, his eternal power and his divinity has been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things he has made so that we are without excuse. And what does Jesus say here? He's going to talk about something that we can see on earth that is prophetic. Here it is. Most certainly, verse 24, shall a single grain of wheat fall into the earth. I mean, he could have just said, I'm going to die for all creation. I'm the son of God. You're all going to die. No, he doesn't say that. He uses something that we can see, that we can see on the earth. Jesus Christ is the image and likeness of God. God's invisible. He comes in and incarnates a man so we can see who God is. And now he's showing us different things so we can understand the principle. Most certainly shall the single grain of wheat fall into the earth. That single grain of wheat is him. And die. And if it doesn't die, it remains old. In other words, if he says, it's, it's good that I go away. So I think it's John 14. If I don't go away, the spirit, the comforter won't come. See, if it doesn't die, it remains alone. I mean, he's talking in the third person, but he's talking about him. But in its death, it produces much fruit. Now, think about that. It doesn't make sense. How can Jesus die and produce much fruit? How can the, the word of God, who created all things, subject himself to his own creation and die and bear much fruit? Because he knows that he's going to bring them all, bring us all down with him. In the mind of God, when Christ died, we all died. 
And when Christ was raised up, we were all raised up. When he ascended, we all ascended. We Most of us just haven't figured it out. Haven't come to the revelation, the unveiling of what happened to us already in Christ. Even before we were born, for crying out loud. To hold on desperately to a mere life defined by the soul realm. In other words, the things you can see, smell, taste, feel, reason, is to lose it, the real life. But to abandon the soul substitute for the real deal is to observe your life, which is the life of the ages. Now think about it. Jesus is walking in two planes of life, of realities at the same time. It's the same two realities we have. It's the earthly reality, the sense realm. He walked in that. He got tired. He needed a drink of water. He had to go to the bathroom. He needed to eat, but he's also walking in the kingdom of God. He's, he says, <clears throat> Colossians 2, 9, 10, the fullness of the deity dwells in him in bodily form and dwells in us in bodily form too. Back to it, he's living in this life. And this invisible kingdom life that's in and all around you is as real or more real than what you see with your eyes. But we just haven't figured that out and got the reality of that revelation in us yet. Anyway, over and out. (laughs) 